I feel like I'm about to get on a football field with you for some reason. All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm getting pumped. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is Romeo Marquez Jr. Thanks for tuning in to episode number four of Superstar Success University. And today I'm super duper excited to interview my good friend, Mr. Roy Williams. You ready to do this, Roy? Yes, I am. Of course you are. So Roy Williams was an All-American and a first-round draft pick in the NFL in 2002, as well as a five-time Pro Bowl honoree. Though he is best known for his accomplishments in football at the University of Oklahoma and in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals, Roy is also an accomplished entrepreneur and philanthropist. All right, so check this out, Roy. I just read an introduction to the listeners out there. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Well, just a little bit about myself is, yes, you know all the accolades. Well, you might not know all the accolades, but that doesn't define who I am. Honestly, I'm just a young kid from Union City, California, trying to change people's lives one person at a time. Literally, that, that's who I am. That defines Roy. Mm. Um, and I, I love to help. I love to give. I've been to Africa numerous times. I've you know, fed over 10,000 people. I fitted over 10,000 hearing aids, given the gift of hearing. That's so amazing. Aids. I've dug water wells, probably serviced and gave clean water to over probably 200,000 people. Um, that that's who, that's who I am. You know, I'm a person that at the end of the day, when the lights are off and nobody's around, what am I doing? That's what I'm doing. I don't care about the accolades, honestly, that was just some, football was just a platform to help me achieve what I wanted to do, and that was to give back. That's so amazing. Because so, check this out, everybody. I've known Roy since we were in elementary school. I used to give him rides to, you know, football practice <laughs> and bringing him home. And what I really, really appreciate about Roy, you know, beyond the football field, is he's always had this huge heart to help people. And that's what inspires me the most. You inspired me to just dream big and live big. And the the main point of inspiration for me was how you just show up in life. And I really, really appreciate you for that. Oh, thank you. So I strongly believe in the power of personal story. So tell people out there what it was like for you growing up, for those that don't know, you know, what it was like you growing up in Union City and then making it to the big league. Oh. <laughs> is, there enough, is there enough time? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the cadence. Yeah. I mean, we got 30 um, minutes, bro. So, you know, okay. And if you need more time, um, it's all good. We might even have to do, if I'm number four, we might have to even run over to number five, too. Just hey, because. all good. Part two. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready. But, no, like, seriously, like, you know, every, a lot of people, a lot of athletes have that. You know, they they are a lot of people's stories. They grew up in, you know, impoverished neighborhoods, and they grew up in the ghetto. They, you know, were around, you know, legal drugs and all that. Same here. You know, my, my aunt was a big-time drug dealer in East Palo Alto, California, and my mom couldn't afford a babysitter, so guess whose house I had to stay over? My aunt's house with my sister and my cousins and so I was around. I was around that. I didn't know what it was, but I was around that. And me in class in the classroom, mm -hmm. you know, I had a learning disability. You know, I, it took me a long time to really learn how to read and really apply myself. And so in California, they have these classes called resource um, students and resource classes. So 
whenever kids were being in the big classrooms, the 32 room classrooms, I was in a smaller room, condensed, getting extra time on studying or, or learning, which a lot of people don't know, which a lot of people don't know too is when I was in school, I really didn't start learning how to read efficiently until I was about in the 11th grade. Wow. How did I, how did I slip through the cracks? No clue, you know, <laughs> but I did. I did. I was a bad That's kid. Awesome. Nobody wanted me in the class. Teachers were just pushing through. Like, I don't want him. He's a troublemaker. If you look at it, I was probably just asking for help, but yeah. I just didn't know how to. Right, you know? right, exactly. And so when you have that pressure of you don't know how to read and people don't really know that and the teacher picks on you, you think the teacher's picking on you. So then you act up and start, you know, diverting the attention from yourself on somebody else when it's a simple question like, hey, can you read this? Which I should have just probably ahead of time, which a lot of kids just don't know, is just go to the teacher and say, hey, I need help in reading. When you're a young kid, you just don't have, you don't have the knowledge or the tools just to say that to a teacher because you're embarrassed. You know, you, there's there's a lot, you don't want your peers to know. You know, there's a lot of peer pressure within that. So instead of being up front and telling the teacher, you know, I divert my inability to read into destructive and causing a commotion, which became like a class clown and, you know, uh, just a bad a bad kid. But, you know, it, it took a while for me to really apply myself. And after a couple of, you know, butt whoopings from my dad, you know, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> got, got on straight. It wasn't, it's not, it was not an easy road. It was hard. It took me a long time just to, I mean, I used to have to go to East Palo Alto with a, a tutor, by Miss Miss Taylor, and East Palo Alto three times a week, four times even, you know, just to, I mean, we went from basic roots. I'm talking about, I was in the 10th grade, 10th or 11th grade, mm-hmm. going over my vows, A-I-E-I-O-U, all those, mm-hmm. every, signing them out, because, I mean, I just had to go back to the grassroots. So kids that were in the 10th or 11th grade, you know what I'm saying? I'm at a like a fourth grade reading level in a tenth grade, you know, and it was it was horrible. It was horrible. And and what people don't know to this day is when I do speaking engagements, mm-hmm. people are eating and and when I start talking, mm-hmm. you know, and people start and, and if I hear somebody laughing or talking, right. I go back to the days when I used to have to read out loud and I used to and and it's just, I mean, that's just imprinting my head. And I think they're laughing at me because I might not sound intelligent enough or I might be messing up a word or I might not sound articulate. Right. I mean, those things still haunt me mm-hmm. when I was back in, you know, middle school, you know, or high school. And so those are, you know, that's just one thing people just don't, people don't know. When I'm up there, like I'm speaking, people like, man, oh, wow, he looks he looks amazing, he sounds great, or whatever. I mean, they might not even say that. But in the back of my mind, I am thinking those things. Like, if somebody starts laughing and starts talking while I'm talking, I will try to speed up and end, end what I'm saying just because I just want to help them get done. You know, and it's it's crazy, but, I mean, those are, you know, those are things that goes on in my head. Mm-hmm. First of all, thank you for sharing that because, you know, a lot of people don't ask questions like that, and a lot of people don't, know that about you and the cool thing about this is that i'm sure a lot of people connect to you in some way where we felt like we're being picked on or there's a flaw within us that we don't really like about ourselves so we project it out to somebody else and it turns into this other behavior when when it's really not like that so forth and so on so that to be honest with you that's so relatable in all kinds of ways so thank you for that Mm -hmm. yeah and and along that way with you know those different challenges 
in elementary, middle school, high school, who were, or even in college, like who were some of the people that helped you along the way? Honestly, um, the one person that always stood in my corner is never ever going to leave my corner was my mom. Mm. My mom used to take me to my, my tutoring sessions. My mom used to, you know, stay up and try to help me during those times in middle school and high school and in college. Um, mom has really been my support system. I love my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, not saying my dad wasn't there, but yeah. he wasn't there. And right. there's no disrespect. I love my dad to death, you know. Right. But it was really, really my mom. My mom was my support team. That's the, that's the person I leaned on through my hardships and through my success. My mom has always really been there. And there was um, a teacher in elementary named Miss Hannah, mm-hmm. which she, I mean, to get me to act right, she used to give me peanuts, man. And that was, that yeah. was the most exciting thing for me. You know, that was my reward when I did good. <laughs> and then... And then, like, in high school, it was a teacher by the name of Mr. Wrench, mm-hmm. who was who was just instrumental in my life at that time because, I mean, he took time, just sat me down, and just, you know, just made everything so simplistic for me to learn, which that's what I needed, and he was he did that for me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, and there there was Mrs. Mrs. Bobadilla, Tina Bobadilla at Logan, <laughs> which, I mean, I love. I love Miss Miss B. I mean, I mean, she's 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 the one. That's so crazy. Miss B was the teacher that sat me down. It was like me, Brandon McFerrin, and some other people. And she was like, "Roy, you you need to work on your autograph because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> be awesome. signing your name. You're gonna be signing your name, and people are gonna want it one day." When yeah. she said that, what were you thinking? I was like, "You're damn right." I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I was just I was like, you know, I was like, you really, no, I really was like, you really think so? And she was like, yes. I mean, you know, it's just bad places, different people in your lives to right. plant little seeds, yes. and then they water them and they grow them. Exactly. And that was just, a, that was just another seed that got planted in my life, you know, from Mrs. B. She may not know what she was doing, or maybe she knew what she was doing, but. When you look at the whole grand scheme of life and look at the people that have come into your life for a season, some of them are there just to drop a little nugget or a seed and plant it and water it and just walk off and, you know, come back to it and watch it grow. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel that Miss Hannah, Mr. Ranch, my mom, Miss B, these people, they probably prayed for me and they planted those <laughs> seeds. And, you know, now 20 years later, you know, I'm a fruit-bearing tree that is trying to <laughs> basically inspire and empower other people. You know, the whole the whole pan is for it. I mean, that's yeah. I'm a product of what everybody else poured into me. Now I'm pouring out to everybody else. You know. Yeah, and this is a reminder that you know words really do have power. It, it can they empower do. us, or it can disempower us. So listeners out there, be mindful of your words because they really can change somebody's life for the good or for the worse, you know, because check this out. I I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember we had a a locker next to each other in football. You know, it was my junior year, your senior year. And I was like, yo, Roy, so if you were to play in the NFL, what team would you play for? And without hesitation, I tell this story to a lot of other people. I said, without hesitation, you said, Oh, I'm playing for the Cowboys. I was like, really? You're like, yeah. 
Like you were so certain. <laughs> and I, I yeah. found that so amazing. I was like, wow. And then five, six years later, you ended up playing for the Cowboys. And that right there, like that really hit me that things are possible. It is possible. Like, wow, you, you spoke that out to the universe and you felt so confident within it. And to be honest with you, Roy, that allowed me to step into my power and it made me visualize and think on the things I want to do. So it's, yeah. and you planted, so in the same way, paying it forward while you were in high school, receiving these seeds, you planted a seed within me. It's a blessing. I mean, it's funny. I don't know if you've seen the post, but in the, the 1997 yearbook, when I got interviewed, <laughs> yeah. they said, what do you see yourself in five years? I'm like, playing for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that's what I know. Like, <laughs> so, all right, I just so, know that. How did you know, like, the Cowboys? Like, why the Cowboys? Well, it was, it was a yeah, being a California boy, why the Cowboys? I know, right? Right. But <laughs> my dad, my dad, my dad's from Texas. Got it. And so that's all he talked about was the Cowboys. And when I was a young kid in Contempo, I used to put a little life jacket on, and I used to put my dad's Tony set jersey on. I used to run around the house, shaking and moving, trying to dodge, <laughs> like, whatever. You know, just That's imaginary awesome. people. I did. I mean, because I pictured myself doing that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really – it's sometimes you just have to – you have to speak it, and, you know, seeing is believing. Yeah. And, I mean, it really was. I mean, I used to literally run around the house, and the touchdown used to be my mom. I used to run up the stairs. <laughs> like, oh, they're about to get me. Then the, the touchdown, like, seriously. I love the it. Touchdown goal, the touchdown goal was my mom's bed. I used to just dive and jump, thinking that these imaginary people were trying to tackle me. I mean, <laughs> I used to score a touchdown. I mean, but so it amazing. always, like, God put that, you know, God put stuff in your head, and he lets you let you see what your, your greatest potential is. And, like, yeah. if you can really believe it, you know, it, you know, it says, you know, in Mark eleven twenty five, it says, you know, or is eleven twenty four? Mark eleven twenty four and twenty five. The desires of your heart, like God will answer those. You know, what I'm yeah. saying? and I will give you all the desires of your heart. You know, what I'm saying. So if you have it in your heart and you genuinely, you truly want that. You know, what I'm saying you stay prayed up and you know you just you just believe. Yeah. And you work. You have to work for it. You, <laughs> yeah. You're not exactly. just gonna say, oh my gosh, I want to be a, a a trillionaire. And you just want to sit at home and not do anything. That's not, it's not going to happen. You have to be able to water what you pray for. You know what I'm saying? You have to walk. You have to walk that fight. I mean, that's something I tweeted the other day or Instagram, whatever. I said, you know, a lot of people fantasize about other people and being in their shoes. But will that person fantasizing about that one human being, would you be willing to sacrifice what they had to sacrifice to get what they got? And a lot of people wouldn't do it. A lot of people, like for instance, I'm so I'm out of shape. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm out of shape, but you know, I gained I gained some weight. Right. But people aren't going to get up at four thirty in the morning and go work out, right. and then take 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 their kids to school at seven thirty, and then go run over, you know, to go have a meeting somewhere. I mean, that's a tiring day for some people. Yeah. But some people will do it. Other people won't. Mm-hmm. And it it puzzles me because. When I see when I go back to Union City and I see mm-hmm. people and they're like, "Oh man, you did," it. and I'm like, "You could have did it too, but you just <laughs> didn't apply. You did, you just didn't apply yourself. You know what I'm saying? You you rather go out and do all the knucklehead things, smoke, drink, whatever. Mm-hmm. I chose to sit outside of my house, play catch myself, go run, study. You know what I'm saying? I applied myself. You know, yeah. you applied yourself in some negative energy. I applied myself in positive energy. That's mm-hmm. gonna 
a boost boost me into where I wanted to go. Right. You know, it just depends on what people want to do. I mean, there's you can either go right, you can go left, or you can go straight. You know, mm-hmm. whatever you know, anything that you add to your life, it's going to cost you something. Right. So either it's going to be something good or it's going to be either something bad. But you're going, it's going to cost you something. You're going to either lose someone, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to you're going to have to drop some, but you're going to have to drop some of the the negative baggage to mm-hmm. receive some greater some greater good in someone else. Some people, honestly, you know how chickens they eat they eat um they eat with their face down. They they really don't look up much. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, I had to recognize that, you know what, I'm an eagle. You know what I'm saying? Let me spread my wings and fly. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And no, seriously. No, you know what I'm saying? no that's true. That's, that's you, real spit right there. When you think about it, it's like, man, I'm hanging around people that aren't, they're not, they're, they don't want to be anything in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I want to be something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, my pastor in, in Dallas talks about, you know, he made a story, he was like, a lot of us are eagles, though we eat and hang out with, with chickens. chickens, right? You know, <laughs> so it's like, you know, we why are we pecking on the ground while we can go fly and go pick what we want? And and that's what people need to understand. Like, you know, some some of the people that you hang around with probably don't even qualify to be in your life, but you just hang around with them just because it's to feel good. Sometimes you need to stretch and get some stretch marks. You know what I'm saying? To be right. able to to be able to grow. And don't be afraid to grow, you know what I'm saying, and letting people go. I mean, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, these people that you're called so-called friends, they're not paying your bills. They're not really – sometimes Sometimes they're not looking out for your best interest. And sometimes the people that are hanging around with you are waiting for you to me- make a mistake just to bring you down. You know, right, there's – call you out on it, a, that's right. Yeah, you know. I mean, some people are in your life to encourage you or discourage you. You know what I'm saying? So remember that. Some people put, like, for instance, celebrities on a pedestal, and when that celebrity hurts their feelings or, you know, you know, does something wrong, and then they're hurt, and they, they take that so personal. And God says, don't idolize no, any man. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it should only be God. Mm-hmm. And so when, when celebrities mess up and people get their feelings hurt, it's like, you should never put that human being on a pedestal that they had no business being on. Mm-hmm. So you just brought up so many like good points. I hope all you guys out there just listen to what he said. If you didn't, you better rewind this bad boy because he talked about, you know, things like the power of visualization. I loved how you said you stayed in that positive energy despite all the challenges and negative energy that was going around you. And it was all by choice because you knew there was something beyond all this. You know what I mean? And, you know, because of you staying in that state and surrounding yourself with, you know, your mentors and the positive people uh, has led you to go to Oklahoma. And I know you got different letters to go to different (laughs) schools. Why? Oklahoma. I know when we met up at UCLA, you know, a few years after college, you're like, you know, I wanted to go to UCLA, but you know, eventually Oklahoma was a blessing. You were definitely a blessing to Oklahoma. So why Oklahoma? I'll tell you why Oklahoma and which it is what it is. I mean, cause I could have went to Cal. Yeah. Easy. Um, I could have went to, I could have went to all the big 12 schools except for Stanford. At the time was Pac-10. Now it's Pac-12. Right. But I can went, I, I went to all the Pac-12 schools, Oklahoma recruiting me, Miami, Tennessee, Alabama, all these all these other schools. But um, at the end of the day, it meant more to me to go to Oklahoma because of the whole the reason why. And the reason why is 
Um, I went to UCLA and they they had me. Bill Cosby was running around the track. I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm know. going to. UCLA. I was like, I was like, I'm going to UCLA just because Bill Cosby was running, was running around, around the track. track. Like literally, I was I was like, oh my goodness, that is Bill Cosby. Like that is <laughs> that is amazing. But you know that was cool. But my bet, you know, you know Damien. But my best friend mm-hmm. Damien, yeah, he was going to go to Stanford and I was going to go to UCLA. We we're going to have a rival. We we're going to play against each other. Cool. Championship game, Damien tears his ACL, MCL, PCL, blows his knee out. Stafford takes back his scholarship. I go to Cal Berkeley because I know Damien wanted to go to Cal, and I told Cal, I said, hey, if you want me, I would love for you to bring my my buddy Damien along to give him a scholarship. They said no. I said, fine, I'm not coming here. I was going to suck it up and go to Cal for Damien. But I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. (laughs) So my, my aunt, who worked in the cafeteria, here at OU, gave our highlight tape to the coach, John Blake, at the time. And he was like, you know what? I like what I see. Sent out um, Coach Joe D to our practice, came out and watched us. Joe D pulled me to the side. He wanted to talk to me. And I told him, I said, I will come to you. I will come out for a visit if you if you guys start recruiting my buddy, Damien. Mm-hmm. Damien started getting letters from OU. We went on a visit to Oklahoma. We liked what we seen. They offered me and Damian full ride scholarships because mm-hmm. I sat down. I actually, I sat down with John Blake and I told him, I said, here's the deal. I said, I'll come here if you recruit my buddy, if you bring my buddy on a full ride too. Coach is like, done. Wow. Offered us two scholarships. Um, we decided to go to OU. And, that, and the rest was, and that was it. That's the reason why I came to OU okay. was because just my friendship with Damian. See, that's just the power of friendship and partnership. Like, what are you willing to do and sacrifice to make things happen? That's just another powerful example. So another thing. So after after you played in college and, you know, I know different teams wanted you and I know you wanted to go to the Dallas Cowboys. Like, what was what was it like going on that field? Like, I know you have tons of experience being on the field, but stepping in on or stepping onto that field in the NFL. It's it's a whole new world. I mean, it, it, it wasn't like so playing. It wasn't playing like you know on the turf at James Logan High School. Uh, honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, honestly, yes and no. Right, right. Yes, because it's actually at the end of the day, it's extra holes, and you tackle the ball, the guy with the ball. And right. That's, yes, yes, in that aspect. But those guys are bigger, stronger, and faster in the NFL. Let's just just put it's it out there. Real, so, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, honestly, when I when I was a rookie, I mean, it was fast. I remember our preseason game was against the Oakland Raiders. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, these. I mean, it was just so it was fast. I was like, the game speed was so fast. I probably looked like I don't even know, probably like a deer in hairlines. I would just stand like, wow, <laughs> these dudes are moving heck of fast. But uh-huh. I mean, you have to adapt. You have to learn on the fly. And you have to adapt. And and I did probably like third third quarter. I started, you know, you know, retrain myself. Okay you know, how to take angles properly and all this stuff because, I mean, you, you can get overwhelmed really fast playing in the NFL. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it was it was fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, I played nine wonderful seasons, seven in Dallas and two in Cincinnati. And, I mean, it goes by so fast. Right. It goes by so fast. You know, it's like now what what am I going to do the rest of my life? You know, it's just because when you're a kid, you, you dream about playing in the NFL, then you – actually make it and then you know you're like in your late 20s and you're like okay your career your career is kind of winding down and it's like what's next 
I mean, because it's so it's so crazy because at every level of success, there's a devil. You know, mm-hmm. there's a devil when you're when you're you don't have any money and you're less fortunate and you're kind of poor. There's middle class. There's rich and there's super rich. There's there's devils for every level of success, and right. people need to understand that. You know, uh-huh. just because you're fighting one battle doesn't mean somebody that's um, well off is not fighting the same battle or even a worse battle. <laughs> Money doesn't solve all your issues. It helps out a lot, Definitely. yes, but it doesn't solve all your issues. That's you know, right. if you're not well-mannered and respectful, you know, money doesn't buy you class. And there's a lot of people that, you know, might like a certain person, but if you met that one person in, in person, you might be like, wow, he's a real butthole. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> right. People know this, but people really need to understand that. Like, just because you might see one person, you know, what they do for their job, they might not be that way when you meet them in person. And people need to understand that. So people don't get hurt when you might go up to a celebrity and say, hey, you know, you're my favorite and we'll love to, to get an autograph. And on the defense of an athlete, actress, singer, whatever, you need to understand, too, you don't know what that person, like, for instance, if I was out eating, and before that, I just did an autograph signing for two hours, and I signed over 5,000 autographs <laughs> and took about 1,000, 1,500 pictures. You don't know what that person's been through through that day. So happen, when right? somebody says, no, don't don't take it personal, just be like, okay, no problem. You know, I appreciate your time to even talk to me. I would, however you want to handle it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need to understand you don't know what, that person might be going through. I mean, that person might have lost somebody or they might have had a hard day and they're in an argument with their wife or something. You know, you don't ever know what's going on. Likewise with the person asking. That's why you got to have a humble spirit and understand, you know what? God has really blessed me with this opportunity for people to even come up to me. So, you know what? I'm going to honor him and welcome that person into my space and talk to them and make them feel like they're the only person in the world. I mean, that's just, right. that, that's what I do, because it's yeah. like, you know what? God can take all this away right now, and I can be nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And nobody will know who I am. At least somebody's coming up to you and recognize, recognizing you for your good deeds and your work. Mm-hmm. So you need to honestly give give glory to God. Like, you know what, God, thank you so much for somebody even noticing what I've accomplished through the blessings that you you given me. Mm-hmm. There's always a different way you can look at situations, but some people just don't sometimes take the time to process and understand where the real miracle and the blessings coming from. You know, that's right. It's like t- <clears throat> taking God's blessing and blessing other people with that blessing. You know, and, most definitely. And that just ripples onto things beyond our imagination. Just God's just gonna yep. do His thing with it. Another thing I wanted to ask you is gosh this is like i feel like grounded in spirit i feel like the spirit of god right now <laughs> um so i know that there are a lot of players in college that you know went to the nfl and i know there are a lot of college a lot more college players that didn't make it to the nfl like what mm-hmm. made you stand out from those that didn't make it i mean i was very fortunate and very blessed to be in a certain situation that i was at ou mm-hmm. um and the way that the scheme it kind of catered to me in my playing style and the way I played was aggressive and the way my defense coordinator had me playing was aggressive. So it kind of fit me perfectly. It was kind of like the perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't the perfect marriage when he first got there because my, my coach that first brought me in, he got fired. Um, it was like we were off. Like, sorry, you get kids like three or four months off. They're going to be eating. They're going to be chilling. They're not working out. So, yeah, I blew up a little bit. So my, my coach caught me all fat and pear-shaped. <laughs> and, I mean, he got on me, you know what I'm saying? And uh-huh. he used to always tell me that uh, the safety that he coached at his other university at Kansas State, Cooper was better than me, and he used that basically to piss me off to make me want to. To me, this is how my thinking was. Yeah, he did yeah. that to make me want to, make me want to be better. So I mean, that honestly pushed me to become a, a better me and want to become a better, a better player. And I spent a lot of time in his office perfecting my craft to be the best when I got on the football field. And it's so funny, and I get to, I get to your, your question, but. It's so funny that the head coach, Bob Stoops, because people ask him, when did you see in Roy that he was ready for the NFL? And Coach Stoops, well, he'll, he'll say this. He'll say there was, a, there was a particular during halftime, I looked over at Roy, and he just looked so bored. <laughs> <laughs> and I just knew that he was ready right. for the NFL. Sometimes when I played, it felt like it was just slow motion. And so, I mean, I've seen plays happen before they even finished. I knew what was going to happen, so I just finished the play, you know, and I was there and made the tackle because my preparation helped me understand how a play is going to develop and how it's going to happen. And playing, I mean, it's so it's so crazy because me playing, I mean, I started at like five or six years old playing tackle football with the guys in high school. So when I played Little League and I played – Pop Warner in high school and college and professional, I played in every kind of different situation. So when I played a running back that was bigger than me, I went back to when I was a middle schooler and I had to learn how to tackle bigger guys. So it, it was easy for me. So when what did it take for me to outshine or stand out was my preparation from when I was a young kid until to college and then professional is because I was prepared for every situation that I knew I was going to have to face and people faster than me, which I had to take proper angles and I had to run further just to tackle the person. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's angles and, you know, learning how to tackle properly head up. And, you know, if I hit somebody in the kneecap, which way is it going to go? If I put my helmet on the, on the elbow, is it going to pop the ball out? You know, mm-hmm. if I, you know, horse collar somebody and I try to swing my arm, you know, I I practiced all those things when I played in Pop Warner and in Little League and in college just because I wanted to stand out. You know, if I was a horse collar somebody and popped the ball out, you know, forced fumble and my team recovers it, then it gives our it gives our offense a chance to score again. I mean, those are the things that's going through my head before I tackle somebody. Like, how am I gonna tackle this person? I mean I'm breaking down you know, the statistics on how I should tackle somebody if it's going to give us a better chance to, to win a ball game, I stand out. I mean, I want to be the best. So what do you do to become the best? You try to outwork everybody. And that goes from when I was a young kid. 7, seven o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, long sidewalk, front of my house. I used to, I don't even know, it was probably like 150s. Whatever it was, I used to run it at night. I used to do like 10, at least 10 of them every night. And how, how old were you? I was probably about 12, uh-huh. 12 to 14 years old. Because I wanted, I, wanted be, I wanted to be good. I know I probably wasn't mm-hmm. the fastest, but you know what? I was never going to let somebody outwork me. Right. I mean, I promise you now, hard work, that beats talent 
all any day, day long. You can be a talent any day. Rocky Balboa was not the most talented, but you know what? He would work his butt off and beat you. I mean, yeah, talk about Rocky, whatever. Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. he's not the fastest. He's smart, but he works hard. I would take Peyton Manning over Michael Vick any day, even though Michael Vick can run circles around Peyton Manning because I know, you know, his work preparation, Not nothing against Michael Vick, but mm-hmm. I'm just – doing speed comparison yeah um the running quarterback type deal Kaepernick or Cam Newton or whoever else but I would I would take somebody that's a hard worker and has a, a good work ethic mm-hmm. you know over somebody that's talented any day it's preparation hard work you have like this special vision like didn't they call you Superman in 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 college they did like you really <laughs> are did. Superman like you said I see things before it even happens like who does that but <laughs> that comes all based on the preparation aspect so what are you current what is Mr. Roy currently working on right now Whew, what am I not working on? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> so just give us, you know, just a couple of things. Cause no, no, he's no, no, no. A, I'm going to let people. You, I'm going to give you the yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. going to give you Go the breakdown. Go ahead. So this concludes part one of episode number four with Roy Williams. Part two will be available this Thursday where he will be sharing what he's currently working on as well as his message to the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with friends family, or colleagues who you think may find this insight and inspiration valuable. Also, I would love it if you could write a quick review for this podcast as I'm trying to build up the ratings to ignite and empower more people all around the world so that they reach their full potential with purpose and passion. Oh yeah, one last thing. I would love for you to be a part of our Facebook community, which I just launched today, to connect with other positive, like-minded individuals who are ready to elevate their greatness to new levels. You can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash superstar success you. That's the letter U. It's a closed group, so send in the request and I will be glad to add you. All right, y'all, this is Romeo signing off saying keep believing, keep it moving, and I'll connect with you in part two with Roy Williams. Peace.